0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Before we get rolling in this show, we've got some cool news for our listeners. You can now listen to us on Spotify. Yep, if you do a quick search, you'll find Houston Sports Talk when you're looking around on the Spotify app. Very sweet. Now let's move to today's guest and hey, the Houston Cougar basketball team finished the regular season with a 29-2 and record. They're one of only three two-loss teams in the nation. It's the first time they've won the outright conference title since the 83-84 Five Slam Jamma team. So what better time to bring back our friend Dustin, who hosts the Scott and Holman podcast, where he and his partner Sam talk all things Cougars and uh, how you feeling after that second half demolition of Cincinnati? Oh, man, I'm feeling pretty
1: good. That was uh, I, I drove into Houston for the UCF game and had some high expectations for that one, and uh, obviously it didn't quite go the way I'd hoped. So uh, to see the Cougars put up that much of a performance on Cincinnati, um, I mean we were down six, it was forty seven forty one. Things weren't looking so good, and the way that that team closed was uh, was even. I mean, as high as my expectations are for this team right now, as much as they've played, you know, really well all year, that was a uh, even exceeded my expectations for how the game would have, was going to finish, for sure.
0: You were just telling me before we got started, Sam was at the game. Your partner?
1: Yeah, he was. He uh, he decided a few weeks ago he was going to make the trip up. Had never seen a game at Cincinnati's Fifth Third Arena before, and uh, I'm pretty jealous because it uh, sure looked like a fun one to be at. And I'm I'm kind of wishing I had uh, scratched together the money to go up there with him, but uh, oh well. At least one of us got to experience that one firsthand.
0: Man, uh, it's been a Cinderella season uh, for the Cougars all the way through. And since we spoke five weeks ago, Corey Davis playing like a man possessed. He <laughs> scored at least 24 in five of his last 10 games, I believe, including a career high 31 on Sunday. Talk about Corey Davis.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of one of the things that we thought going into the year was going to be a big storyline was who was going to step up and be kind of the guy to be, you know, the lead offensive scorer with, uh, with Rob Gray, obviously, now playing in the G League. And, you know, for most of the season, it kind of looked like, okay well, there's not going to be one guy who really steps up and, and is kind of you know the guy offensively but really Corey Davis has stepped into that role more and more as the season has gone on and certainly there are plenty of other guys in this team other guys on this team that can score Dejon Giroux is a great scorer Armani Brooks one of the best shooters in the country um, you know Nate Hinton and some other guys can certainly put the ball in the basket but we've really seen over as conference play has gone on that Corey Davis has really gotten more and more comfortable becoming the focal point of the offense and really asserting himself more and finding his shot more and I mean last year he was a guy that was Primarily, you know, a spot up shooter who would, you know, take, you know, get the ball from Rob, you know, when Rob would get lots of attention and, and mostly spot up and shoot threes. And his uh, his development offensive this year becoming a really incredibly well-rounded scorer and very, you know, assertive, confident scorer has been really something fun to watch.
0: You mentioned another name that I I had to bring up, and that's uh, Dejan Giroux, who's also just switched to another gear since we last spoke. He scored at least 13 points in six of his last 10 games, he'll be a hard guy really to keep off the court late in games if you're Kelvin Sampson, won't he?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, you've seen, you know, and, and in some games, whenever we face a team that uh, that kind of doesn't have a real big lineup, you know, this coach coaching staff can be real quick to go to a four-guard lineup so they can get, you know, Dejon in there, maybe get Armani in there because it's just this team is so you know, stocked with guard talent, it's hard to keep all those guys off the court. And Dejan Dureau was a guy that, you know, taking the year off with the transfer and then missing some time with some minor injuries and some personal issues early on in the season. We knew it was going to probably take towards the end of the season before he really, you know, got his legs under him and really got got back up to full speed and kind of caught up to everybody. And I don't think he caught up to everybody else. I think he accelerated right on past everybody else and he found a gear that not many other players have had. And uh, yeah, he is really becoming another option between Corey and Armani and, De- and uh, you know, Dejan Giroux, which is it's hard to imagine this Cougar team is known for their defense, but it's hard to imagine how, you know, other teams are going to really want to uh, try to match up with all three of those guys who are obviously all three of them really good at putting the ball in the basket and all, you know, have a, have a little bit different offensive game. So none of those three guys are giving you quite the same thing. And uh, Dejan Giroux, man, his ability to just throw himself at the basket and, and somehow, Put, put a good shot on the basket and, uh, you know, just even he never seems too off balance to get a good shot up. So it's
0: it's really, really a lot of fun to watch him play. Yeah, he's fun to watch when he gets downhill. Kind of reminds me of of James Harden when he starts uh, rolling towards the basket and he's yeah. got a good little uh, bit of steam. He's tough to stop. And, you know, if you look at Giroux and Corey Davis and Armani Brooks, who would be your closing five, your favorite closing five uh, when they get to the tournament I mean who who would you go with uh, I guess those those three names might be uh, on your list for sure I, I, I'm not sure uh, which other names you would have up there
1: yeah that's tough I mean because just uh, you know among Corey Armani you know Galen Robinson obviously and then uh, and then um, Dejan it's, it's hard to know who of those guys do you uh, do you take off the court in, in crunch time if you're not going to be running a four guard lineup so I think you know maybe offen. if you're kind of coming down the stretch maybe you're doing it offensively you're doing a four guard lineup and then defensively maybe you put in another another forward to kind of you know if to kind of play defense but uh it, it's it's hard to know I think you have to have Dejon on there at the court I think you have to have uh Corey for sure obviously and then you know there's not really a, a bad third option between Armani Brooks or Galen Robinson in the backcourt and then uh Obviously, I really like what uh, what we're getting out of the front court recently as well. I think we've seen those guys rededicate themselves to the to the back to the the rebounding game, and that's something where this team, kind of in the middle of conference play, stopped uh, being quite as dominant as they had been for a lot of the year. And then, you know, the last couple of games, and particularly at Cincinnati, we've seen guys like Breon Brady and uh, Chris Harris and uh, Fabian White have all really, uh, really rededicated themselves to hitting the glass and giving the Cougars a big edge in the rebounding game, which we saw in the the season finale against Cincinnati. So. I mean, it's just that's that's what's been so incredible about this team is there's they run a legitimate 10-man rotation, and it's not like they're just, you know, some of those guys are getting only a couple minutes a game. They're, they have 10 players out there that, you know, as a fan, and, and I'm sure Kelvin Sampson as a coach feels comfortable with all 10 of those guys. So I think you can you can match it up. I mean, I think the number one thing is you have to have Corey and, our, and uh, Dejan out there at the end of the game, but really
0: no bad options with as, as deep as this team is. How do you look at the conference tournament? Is it really beneficial to win it since the seeding isn't usually affected by maybe that last game they've already decided how they're going to seed it prior to that, the the committee. And then can it take a toll on a team's legs if you do go all the way through and, and play all the games going into the big dance?
1: Yeah, I think the win at Cincinnati to end the regular season definitely puts a little bit less pressure on the Cougars in the conference tournament. This is kind of something we've been talking about on our podcast is, you know, if you lose that season finale to Cincinnati – All of a sudden, the committee maybe is looking at your resume and saying, "Okay, well, you know, you dominated the teams at the bottom of your conference, but against, you know, the top three teams in your conference, Temple, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston would have only been three and three against those top three teams had they lost to Cincinnati on Sunday, obviously got the win there. So I think that uh, that win, you end up winning the conference by two games, by two full games over the second place team, Cincinnati. So I think at this point, Houston doesn't really have anything to prove to the committee in terms of, hey, we are you know, far and away the best team in this conference. We are head and shoulders above everybody else. I think they've proven that throughout the regular season. I think if they ended up in a tie with Cincinnati for first, maybe then you want to really go out and put a strong performance in the conference tournament to remind the committee that hey, we are you know, we're easily the best team in this what what is looking like a four bid conference all of a sudden. Um, but I think they've kind of shown that already so I mean, it's you always want to play for championships, and, you know. And I would be absolutely thrilled uh, if this team, you know, wins a, uh, a another championship to go with the regular season one. If they were to get a, a conference tournament championship as well, I mean, we've certainly seen some teams in the past. Uh, UConn comes to mind that were able to make a a run in their conference tournament and then still go make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. So I won't be sweating it out too much if uh, if the Cougars do make a deep run because I think they've got you know the team depth to be able to bounce back from that. But uh, Uh, On the same hand, yeah, I'll be a lot less stressed in the conference tournament given that uh, Houston, I think, has already put their full resume together for the year.
0: Yeah, depth uh, sure helps a lot. And as of Sunday night, the Cougs ranked uh, 12th in the polls, or at least as we're talking, I think they're 12th in the polls, 6th in the net power rankings. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where they are when everything shakes out on Monday. Why do you think there's a big discrepancy between the poll ranks and the net power rankings, and what does that mean for the seedings? Do you think?
1: You know, I'm, I'm not sure. I think uh, I think that uh, I mean, just like my knee jerk reaction is always going to be to say that uh, the pollsters are tend to uh, to favor the power conference teams, whereas some of the computers are looking at things more a little bit more objectively. But then, you know, by the same token, if you look at uh, an objective computer ranking like you know Ken Pomeroy's ratings, uh, his his ratings have been behind the polls and had the Cougars ranked lower than the polls for much of the year. So. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm real curious to see how much the NCAA selection committee actually looks at the net this year, being that it's the first year that they've uh, used it, obviously, switching over from the RPI. But uh, I'm hoping that they take it, that they weigh it pretty heavily because I think most of the – if you look at the rankings or if you look at kind of the bracketology experts, I think most of them have the Cougars as a three-seat at this point and uh, certainly after – the win over Cincinnati, the numbers would like the Cougars to be at least uh, a two, I would think, if you look at the net rankings and take that pretty seriously. And I would love to see the Cougars get all the way up to that two seed. So you know, I'm not sure exactly how the uh, I'm not enough of a math expert to know how the rankings are calculated or anything like that. But uh, I tend to just uh, jump on whatever rankings has the Cougars the highest. So for now, we're big fans of the net. And uh, hopefully the selection committee will agree with us.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, but I thought at at halftime of the Cincinnati game, one of the members of the committee was on there, and he was saying he takes the net power rankings very seriously. He said, throw out the RPI, and it sounds like they like the net power rankings better than they like the RPI, so I thought that was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, and I know that there's been a big emphasis on trying to reward teams for playing uh, road games, and the Cougars obviously didn't play. They only played two non-conference road games this year, so not a ton. Um, But you know, heading into the the tournament with a 10-1 record in true road games is pretty incredible. Um, Obviously, Oklahoma State and BYU didn't have the seasons that we kind of hoped they would after we won at their places, so those wins don't really uh, necessarily jump off the paper at you. But winning at Central Florida and winning at Cincinnati, obviously two very impressive road wins, and that is – Definitely boosting the Cougars resume quite a bit.
0: When you look at the big picture, is there a team or two uh, in any bracket that you would want to stay out of? Do you want to stay away from a Gonzaga, for example? I mean, is there teams that you just like, "Ah, I don't like that matchup or, you know, I'd rather, you know, wait to face them in the final four?
1: Um, you know, it's a good question. I mean, uh, the, there's obviously the Gonzagas, you know, and, and teams like that. But uh, I think they'll all be, you know, kind of one or two seeds that uh, that Houston, you know, wouldn't wouldn't face until you know the Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight, that kind of that kind of thing. But in terms of a uh, a team that is maybe a bit of a lower seed, um, you know, I'm I'm not sure. There's there's I mean, I'm as a uh, I'm someone who watches a lot of Iowa State basketball as well because both my parents went there. I think that's an immensely talented team that could end up being kind of down on the seed line, that they might end up facing the Cougars in the first round. So uh, I'm definitely rooting against that uh, possibly happening because that would be a huge crisis of conscience in my family. And also I think that Iowa State has a talented enough team to, to give Houston a run in it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. is, I mean, we saw last year with uh, you know UMBC in the first round is there's no easy games in the tournament. And uh, no matter who who Houston gets, you know, I, I'm going to like their chances because the Houston plays such good defense. I think defense travels in the tournament. Um, and, but, and then a lot of the upsets that we see is, you know, teams just go crazy from beyond the three point line. And that's, you know, what Houston has arguably been best at all year is stopping teams from, uh, you know, having, having good performances behind the arc. So I think this Houston team is set up really, really well for tournament play, honestly, the way that this, uh, this team kind of plays out, but like I said, no easy games. And, uh, no matter who we play, no matter who's on the schedule, even, even if we're a two seed, man, that 15 seed in the first round is going to scare me. Because like I said, Iowa State fan, they lost as a a two seed several years ago to Hampton in the first round. It was a 15. So definitely uh, we'll be going with the mantra of uh, respect all opponents, fear none. I like the Cougars' chances, but won't be overlooking anybody for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking two seed should be very realistic. And it seems like it should be likely after you know listening to what the guy said today at halftime and also looking at the... Net power rankings and if, if we're doing the math, yeah, the two seed uh seems like it it would be the place where you would put them. Let me ask you, what what is the game this year that's impressed you the most? Which win uh did you were you I guess most surprised at?
1: I mean, I'd hate to feel like I'm caving into recency bias, but probably the one on uh on, on Sunday against Cincinnati maybe. I mean, that was as tough a road game as Houston has had all year and you know, it was one of those games that I feel like one of the things that we say on our podcast a lot is, you know, tough road game comes up, and you say, man, if we can just win by one point, I'll be thrilled. And Cincinnati that was certainly a game the Cougars were, I think, two and a half point underdogs in that one, despite coming in with a 28 and two record. Um, and you know, it was a game where you know we w- would have been thrilled with a one point game. So to not only to go into Cincinnati and win, but to win in a way that. You know, their fans were leaving early and their coach was, you know, throwing a huge fit afterwards about how embarrassed he was about the way his team played. And just, you know, the Cougars just played next level defense and I think scored 11 more points on Cincinnati than any other team had scored on them all year up until that point. was was really exciting because we know this team can defend well, but man, when this team is, uh, is doing what it wants offensively and is in its rhythm offensively like they were on Sunday against Cincinnati – that's why you hear national, you know, columnists, national people, writers talking about Houston as a legitimate Final Four contender is because of that combination of defense and the offense that we saw, you know, against Cincinnati on Sunday.
0: Is there a number or a stat that you've seen this year that, you know, just really has jumped out at you, or you know, you saw it, you were like, wow, if if people are not paying attention to the Cougars, check this out. Like, I mean, I just to, to me, it's still fantastic that. You know, there, there's nobody that's lost uh, fewer games than the Cougars so far this this season. And, you know, they, they've been pretty much beating people up, you know, in just about every win. It seems like, I mean, I think at one point I was looking back and it, it's been a while since when they won a game, it's been by less than seven points uh, in a while.
1: Yeah, I think their last win that was less than seven points. So, you know, I guess in football, you use a two possession game more often than you use in basketball. But so, I mean, I think they haven't had a, win of less than six points or a two possession win since uh, I believe it was St. Louis back in December so obviously they've lost two games which is worse than a, a narrow win but you know they've they've not only just been winning teams they haven't even really had any of those wins come right down to uh, to the wire but um, to get to your original question in terms of what is the stat that I think jumps out the most I think you just have to look at um, the, the field goal percentage defense just how hard it is to put the ball in the bucket against this Cougar team and you know some teams are really good defending the three-point line some teams are really good defending the paint the Cougars are in the top 10 in the country in both three-point percentage defense and two-point percentage defense. That is just how hard it is to put the ball in the basket against this Cougar defense.
0: Yeah, defense, rebounding, those numbers uh, pretty darn good. Uh, just <laughs> pretty much anything uh, you could practically think of, they've done great. And is there any last thing you want to say about the, the basketball team? I, I want to ask you a little bit about some other stuff, but uh, any, any last thing on basketball?
1: no i mean just i think we're uh we're certainly very excited to be going to uh, the ncaa tournament uh, about a month or two ago i blocked off uh, at work asked off for the first and second weekend of the ncaa tournament so i'm hoping i have to use uh all those days off to be traveling to watch this team for sure but uh Obviously, the way that the the tournament run ended last year left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. So we're definitely looking forward to getting back into March Madness and uh, hopefully having a little bit longer run than last
0: year and uh, hopefully not such a heartbreaking uh, ending to it all. Yeah, I think the number that I remember seeing before the UCF loss was the the Cougars in their last three losses, which are (laughs) I think it was like 33 games or something like that, it was by a total, the three losses were by a total of six points. Is that sound about right?
1: Yes, yeah, so it was four points in the Temple game, which really even the four was deceptive because that came down to the block charge call with you know two seconds to go, and then Temple hit two free throws that, you know after the game was already over. And then it was one point in the, the heartbreaker to Michigan in the NCAA tournament, and then the loss before that was one point in the conference championship game the year before, and that was a tie game. Houston missed a shot with like two seconds to go to win it and then got called for a ticky-tack foul. On the rebound, and then Cincinnati made one or two free throws to end the game. So, yeah, and you know, other than the UCF, UCF straight up beat us, no arguments there. But other than that, yeah, three, all three of those losses, um, just absolutely came down to just you know, bang, bang plays right at the end. And uh, the Cougars, man, they uh, if they're going to lose, they're certainly not going to uh, get run out of the building.
0: I guess the obvious thing is to start asking about well, what's going on with football or baseball, but you know, track doesn't get a ton of play from most sports yeah. fans. But the Cougs, what a hell of a season they've had in track.
1: Yeah, it's been pretty incredible. I mean, they finished last season in the, out, in the outdoor championships. They finished uh, number three in the country as a team, won a, won a couple of events at the outdoor championships, and they graduated a bunch of uh, really talented seniors, uh, Cameron Burrell, Eli Hall, just graduated a bunch of guys. And, uh you know, we kind of thought, man, it's going to be hard to recover from that. And we actually, over the summer, we had Cameron Burrell come on our podcast and said, no, I said, you know, I think this team is going to be even better next year. Um, with some of the guys that they got coming in, they added a uh, seven-time All-American in Obi Ibuque, who ended up uh, having a fantastic indoor season. The indoor season just finished this past week at NCAA championships. And uh, yeah, the, Cougars finished number two, the Cougar men finished number two in the country behind only Florida in uh, the total team standings. They uh, ended up with uh, winning the 4x400 relay, which was the last event of championships. So that was really cool. They got to go out on a bang, and uh, yeah, second uh, second NCAA championships in a row that they finished on the podium as a team. So really, really incredible performance. And this you know track program has been really good for a long time, but they've really you know cranked it up another notch the last few years and gone from just a you know very good program to one that is you know absolutely one of the powers in the sport, which is a huge testament to the job that uh, head coach Leroy Burrell and you know, his assistant, Carl Lewis, and that whole staff is, uh, is doing with that program.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, but there's really fun. Carl Lewis in-depth interview by Dan Patrick in the last few weeks. It was pretty interesting.
1: I must have missed that one. I'll have to go uh, go look for that. I've seen a couple of interviews with him. He seems to be really enjoying life doing what he's doing and uh, trying to get his alma mater back to national prominence. So, you know, you, you can't do much better as an assistant coach than Carl Lewis, you know, one of the greatest American athletes of all time, who's also an alumnus of your school. So that's obviously a huge, huge bonus to Coach Burrell and his staff and the whole program to have, uh, to have Coach
0: Lewis around. Yeah, I'm blanking on the name of the show, but it, it's not the Dan Patrick show. It was uh, the, his larger interview show where they get in depth and they were going back through the entire Olympic stuff. And it was just real interesting. Um, you know, the, the track program uh, there, that's kind of been going on as we're talking, but football, not a ton's been going on. Is there anything that anybody might've missed uh, football wise in the last month or so?
1: No, I don't think there's been a whole lot of news. One of the one things, uh, one of the things that kind of did slip under the radar a little bit is uh, Jordan Moore, who was a, uh, a four-year transfer from Texas A&M plays safety, has, uh, had, been tra- had announced he was transferring into Houston uh, a while back, not long after Coach Holgerson uh, was announced as the head coach. But then I think there was something that came out a couple weeks ago that they were going to be looking at possibly getting a waiver for him to uh, play immediately this year. So if that were to be granted, that would be a big deal for the Cougar uh, secondary, which is definitely going to be missing some guys heading into next year. That whole defensive unit really could use all the, you know, warm talented bodies that it can get. So that's that's kind of a minor story to keep an eye on if Jordan Moore could be immediately eligible in 2019, that would be a a huge plus for the Cougar secondary.
0: Baseball getting rolling already. They're what, 7 and 7 so far?
1: They are now seven and seven. Yeah, they had a bit of a, uh, a slow start to the season. They went to Minute Maid, which unfortunately, you know, they just cannot win there right now. They've lost like 13 of their last 14 games that they play at that classic and Minute Maid, which is really brutal to me because that's one of my favorite events of the year. Uh, my dad and my older brother actually flew in from California to uh, to watch a bunch of college baseball at the Minute Maid class or the sorry the Shriners call it Shriners Hospitals for Children's College Classic uh, in Minute Maid Park that they do every year. And uh, yeah, the Cougars went 0 and three for the third consecutive year which is a little bit disappointing but uh, they've had some good good spots as well. They won a series against Arizona who's a top 25 team and then uh, they just swept Army this past weekend to uh, to get up to set to 500 on the year to 7 and 7. So hopefully we'll see that uh, record start going in the uh, the positive direction and uh, it should be a really wide open American Athletic Conference this year. Uh, East Carolina looks like the favorite but a lot of, you know, kind of Teams in Houston's range would really look like they could maybe be, uh, you know, regional caliber teams if they have a good season. So it's going to be a really, really competitive AAC race. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the Cougars hopefully uh, doing well there.
0: Yeah, and people can continue to keep up with everything going on with the Cougars, with the podcast. Tell people how they can find it and uh, how often you guys do it and any other information on that.
1: Yeah, we uh, we go pretty much every week year round, even during the off season, We try to have enough stuff to talk about. We do some like special episodes and that kind of stuff. So um, I think we took like I think we've taken one week off in the last two years. So pretty much uh, reliably, you can find us every week anywhere that you uh, download podcasts. If you search Scott and Holman podcast, uh, you can find us. And it's we spell podcast uh, P-A-W-D-C-A-S-T because we like the, the cougar paw pun there. Um, and then, if you want a uh, web address, you can go to soundcloud.com slash shpodcast and you can find us there. Um, but yeah, we are uh, talking Cougars year round and uh, we are very active Twitterers. So if you like talking the uh, Cougar sports on
0: Twitter, definitely give us a follow at shpodcast on Twitter. I cannot wait for the tournament, man. I'm so excited and uh, looking forward to following you guys and with everything that's going on in the tournament. And want to catch up to you, I'm sure, again, within the next few weeks about you know how, how it all turned out or what's going on maybe in between rounds or something like that that'd be perfect
1: yeah man that sounds great it's uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch this team go and hopefully we'll have a uh, a deep tournament run to be talking about hey thanks a bunch. really appreciate you coming on the show hey always a pleasure man thanks for having me
0: you're listening to houston sports talk
1: We're hosts of Tackling the Texans, brought to you by the Pulse Podcast Network. If you love the Houston Sports Talk podcast, then you should go ahead and listen to our weekly podcast where we talk about everything exciting around the NFL and what it means for Houston. We keep you updated on all things Texans with interesting debates and hot takes, making sure to bring on NFL experts from around the industry to keep you connected. Subscribe to Tackling the Texans on Apple Podcasts or give us a listen on any available platforms.